Hello and welcome to Data Stories with Isabel Becker. This is a podcast about why data is the latest innovation in storytelling and why you should know about it. Each episode, I'll be talking to a new guest about what data stories are, the place of data stories in culture and society today, and why they have the potential to change the world around us. Rain Bennett is a two-time Emmy-nominated filmmaker, writer, podcaster, speaker, and all-round what he calls a competitive storyteller who helps people tell better stories so they can do better work and make a better world. In 2012, he writes, I set out with a camera and a backpack to travel the world and tell the story of an underground fitness movement. No one had heard of me. I had no crew, cheap equipment and no budget, but I traveled to over 15 countries, building relationships and focusing on finding the true heart of the story. Now I take what I learned the hard way through 15 years of making documentaries and use it to help business creatives and marketers leverage the power of storytelling to maximize the impact on their audiences and inspire them to take action without spending a lot of time or money. Rain's podcast, The Storytelling Lab, teaches listeners how to tell a story in the most authentic and effective way from a multitude of perspectives. So from the world expert on slideshow stories, Nancy Duarte, to screenwriters, brain coaches, and entrepreneurs building their personal brand. And his book, Six Second Stories, tells us how to communicate a strong message in short form video storytelling, i.e. in six seconds, which is pretty useful stuff to know if you're wanting to go viral on TikTok. Rain is even more obsessed with the power of stories than I am, which is why I was so excited to have him on my show. We get into whether data and technology help or take away from our ability to tell authentic stories. This period of rapid cultural change we're seeing in 2023 and the need for humans to embrace humility and collaboration as our chance to differentiate ourselves from AI capabilities like chat GPT. Welcome oh. to the Data Stories with Isabel Becker <laughs> podcast, Rain. <laughs> Thank you very much. That sounded quite nice. I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a quote from you. Wouldn't that, um, wouldn't that be nice? A better world, Isabel. So yeah, t- I mean, tell us a bit about that. So what are you doing? You, you're a keynote speaker. You also have a weekly podcast. You've just released a book recently called Six Second Stories. You're also mm-hmm. a documentary filmmaker. Tell us a bit about about you and how you got to where you are today. So, you know, as anyone listening can probably tell that, I mean, and there's more commas in that list of things. I'm interested in a lot of different things. And it took me a long time to realize what the through line was and what I struggled with and what I know a lot of other people struggle with is potentially having a lot of different creative interests like that or different projects they would like to pursue. 
I don't know if you're using video for this, but people might not be able to see my hand, but I'm basically just pointing at dots in a circular motion, like your different interest. And if you're bouncing from this thing to this thing around that circle, and you just keep going from thing to thing to thing to thing, then quite literally, you will be spinning in circles unless you find that through line that ties them all together. Then you can picture it if we want to keep with the visual here, it's kind of like a spoke in a wheel situation where you and your brand are the center of that. And these are little pieces off of that wheel. And then when you spin, it actually goes somewhere, right? So it took a long time for me to figure out what that was. And what I mean by that is who I am or who you are, whomever's listening, and what I uniquely provide to whom and why. And once I established that, then I could pursue all of these things that I was interested in. I love having conversations with people. I'm a podcaster. I love writing. I wrote a book. I write weekly emails. I write blogs. For four years, I had a weekly column at a local publication here in the States. I'm a documentary filmmaker. I've done that for almost 20 years. I still do that. I love teaching and being in front of crowds. I'm a speaker as well and lead workshops, et cetera, et cetera. But they are all aligned with my mission, and that is to help people understand how to be better storytellers, but also leverage those stories to create the impact that they want to create, to pursue the missions and visions that they have for their life. So ultimately, that's what I do in all those avenues. So it's not that necessarily that I'm a podcaster, I'm a filmmaker, I'm a speaker, I'm a this, I'm a that, but I help people understand the power of stories and how to leverage that power. And I do it through different ways. And why that's important when you're kind of a solopreneur or a personal brand is because if something comes along, it could just be you. You could just be tired of that thing, right? I've done a podcast for, or like I wrote the column for four years. I was done. I was ready to write a book or something else outside of you takes it away like a global pandemic stopped the speaking industry for a while, at least in in person live events. You need to understand how you serve people, like what you do for them, what results and transformation you create for them, so that then you can think of other ways that you can deliver those results. So for example, I know I'm kind of rambling here, but it's all pertinent. It's all relevant. When the speaking industry stopped, when people didn't know what was going on with the pandemic, I started doing one-on-one coaching. One, that became very fulfilling new revenue stream for me. I mean, it became a new revenue stream for me and also very fulfilling for me as a person to help others one-on-one. And then when the speaking gigs came back, now I had two different revenue streams, right? So it's important to have those different ways you deliver the results that you do so that you can keep that wheel going. You can imagine a wheel with one spoke, right? There's no support really there. So not only does it allow me to pursue my different creative interests, because I'm not a specialist, I am not a this, I'm a generalist that has a lot of different passions. And that's a way that we tie them all together. So we're not burning ourselves out because it's very easy to get burnt out if you're not careful about that. So that's kind of how I landed, landed here. My background is is very specifically in documentary filmmaking. So the storytelling lessons came from just being out in the world, in the field, doing hard work in that space and learning things the hard way, getting my hands dirty, messing up, having some successes and wins and being able to come out of that and say like, okay, what worked, what didn't work, what works well, what kind of works who would benefit from this knowledge? And that's when I started really getting clarity about my business and my brand. Thank you for that. I mean, I feel like as an extra present for having you here, I just got a masterclass in how to 
create your personal brand, how to yeah. leverage all your different <clears throat> mediums to deliver the message that you want. So, Well, you're in the middle of it now. It's important yeah. for you too, right? Because you have your day job and then this is your passion that you're doing that is uniquely blending your interests and the work that you have. It's literally the same thing. So I'm glad that that resonated and I, and I hope that it will with other people. And the crowd that it's resonating with is growing because we're moving back away from this specialist society that was established by the industrial Re revolution. We always were generalist. That's the whole Renaissance man concept, right? And so then it became about being factory workers and doing one tiny little thing and that's it to be part of this big system, right? A cog in a wheel. And so now that industry is getting completely disrupted we're having to rethink if you're a specialist and let's take AI, which I know we'll talk about today, can easily replace your job, you're in trouble unless you can creatively understand how else you can perform or guarantee the results you say that you can. I'm sure we'll talk more about that today, but this is for a variety of reasons. We're seeing this paradigm shift back to people having to understand how to weave all those unique intersections and passions together. Sorry, I totally took the mic back from you when you, when you <laughs> no. were talking. My apologies. No, I get excited. I mean, it is. That's what I was just going to say. It is really exciting. I mean, it's an exciting time. I mean, there's there's lots of kind of worrying things in the world at the moment. But I guess what you just described there for me is a massive advantage about the working world today and where it's going. So, yeah, thanks for starting this on a great note. Yeah. So before we maybe talk a bit more about how you deliver the messages that you do through all of those different mediums that you just mentioned. I'm sure this is something that you have talked about a million times, but just for my listeners, can you summarize what it is about the story or like the narrative that you find so interesting and essential to communicate to others? Because I'm on the same wavelength. I think it's such an interesting important and kind of fundamental aspect of human nature and something that's just can be really powerful and beautiful really but I'm really excited to have this conversation with you because you are on the same think along the same line so tell me a bit about sure. why are you obsessed with storytelling like I am well I think you use a very specific word with fundamental and it is fundamental to communication and, and humanity, I would say. And so the question of like, why are stories so powerful? Or why do you love stories? It's like, it's not my opinion, right? It's like, it is the way it is. And I am just I and people like you have uncovered it. It's gotten quite popular lately. I mean, storytelling is a big buzzword these days. And some people in my industry don't like that because it's been here since the beginning of time. Like we've always kind of known about that, but now it's very labeled like tell your story, your brand story, yada, yada, yada. I think it's a good thing. I mean, I think it should be a buzzword. I know I don't want it to be trendy like it goes out of trend and it shouldn't be, but I'm glad more people are aware of. But it's no like secret thing or no opinion or approach. It's the way humans communicate. That's it, right? It's the way we've always communicated. It's the way we make sense and make meaning of things, right? It's the way we, you know, learn from lessons of the past. It's the way we forecast into what's capable, what we're capable of, and what's been possible in the future. It's the way we make sense of our lives and the way we always have. Why they are so powerful is because it's the way we connect as humans. 
nowadays, currently, like I talked about it with being a buzzword, many people think it's like a marketing thing, marketing tool, we'll say. And it can be, but it's not a marketing tool. It's a communication tool, which can be used for marketing, which can be used for community building, which can be used for navigating trauma, which can be used for like anything that you're trying to achieve that requires some form of human connection, storytelling can be used for. Leadership, hiring for a job, getting hired for a job, like connection, communication, right? And the more that we are able to connect as humans, the more impact we're able to, to have on the world. It was true when we were trying to separate ourselves from animals in like caveman days. And it's true now that we're going to be trying to separate ourselves from robots and from AI, I believe. The ability for us as humans to work together, to cooperate, to connect and collaborate, to achieve something is is huge. And storytelling is the way that we initiate that connection, right? Think about anything that you do throughout the day. Most of it requires some sort of human connection and collaboration to achieve. Even something transactional, right? You need two people there to happen. You're either believing in a story together or you're kind of sharing a story together. Yeah, and um, that reminds me of in your book, Six Second Stories, where you reference the author of Sapiens, um, Yuval Noah Harari. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I kind of alluded to that in my answer. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, where he talks about, no, no, don't apologize, where he talks about about money being the greatest story that we have at the moment, is the greatest fiction that we have that we all believe in. Yeah, there's no inherent value in the piece of, I don't have any dollar bills around here, but like there's no inherent value in that. We subscribe to that belief like, hey, I believe that, you know, that's the transaction, right? If I go to the store today and I buy a drink, then we don't think about it consciously in that moment, but the owner of that store and me are both believing the story that this dollar is worth that drink. It's you know, simple as that. So that's why I said like we're either believing the same story or we're sharing the same story together. And I think that's an, an important point. And it's part of any community that we belong to, any system that we have. I mean, that book is so good for that. And I mentioned it a few times in my book because it's, uh, I thought he had such great insight into that. I mean, like our government systems, our political systems, like all of that is storytelling. Yeah. And that's why I find it so kind of magical because it's this one common thread that's so, well, to reuse my words, fundamental to like mm, the human, human nature and human condition. And the fact that you can explore stories in I don't know the way that they just you can connect with stories emotionally I think it's just wonderful that there's this kind of fundamental pattern to human nature and the way we understand the world which can also be something so artistic and enjoyable to consume it's kind of that's why I think it's the thing that I want to shout about the most because it's just really interesting and exciting to me it really is and as you're saying that i was thinking i was like there's other animals that like send information to each other smarter animals you know not all of them but like some animals can communicate right some of them more so than others and so there they may send information to each other convey information to each other but you can't imagine two dolphins in the ocean just sitting there and making up this fictional story about, you know, some dolphin that had human legs or something like that, right? It is kind of really beautiful that 
we are this only the animal that makes up fiction, right? That makes up these artistic stories just for the, the sake of that, you know, but art imitates life, right? I mean, so any story that we tell is really a story about something in real life, a, a real emotion, a real thing that happened. But it is it is kind of funny, even in the storytelling space, we don't think about that, like how wild it really is that we're basically an animal that communicates and just makes up, you know, fictions with each other. No, other, any other animal that communicates is just to relay information specifically. And we use it that way as well, but it's a way to convey information and emotion, right? And when you do that simultaneously, that's when they're really effective, right? And I think that something, and this is definitely getting pertinent to your podcast specifically, I think often people think it's either or, right? Like either we're giving information or we're like telling a story to move people emotionally. It's like, no, you should be using them both together and because that's the most effective way to do it. And one of the things I say in a lot of my speeches is stories are a way to package and deliver that information in, in a narrative, right? Instead of just a bullet pointed list of information, which we have been, it's been proven that it's very extremely hard for us to retain. We take that list of seven to 10 bits of information and we put it in a little structure, a little narrative arc. And then we pass that arc to somebody and it's much easier for them to retain that one singular shape of information than it is that long list of just lines. And therefore it's easier for them to pass it to someone else. And that is now we're getting to the real viral power of stories is that they're able to be spread and shared much easier, much faster, and in much greater magnitude than just information. So it's not information or emotion. It's using emotion, because that's what humans care about, to deliver that information. That's why it's so important. And data and, and emotion should work hand in hand. Yeah. And I mean, if anyone wants to know a bit more about what Rain's talking about there in terms of the science of how we cognitively absorb and remember stories. I would really recommend his podcast, The Storytelling Lab. Um, he's had some really interesting guests on there who talk about what was there was one about brain uh, David J. coach, Phillips, brain coach, brain uh, Jocelyn yes. um, Brady. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We yeah. have a lot about the brain because it, this is how our brains work, right? Yeah. So, but either the goal or kind of like the second tag or the tagline, I think, of the show basically is like we talk about breaking down the art and science of stories, right? Or storytelling, because again, typically people approach approach it as one or the other, and it's not. I mean, and any great artist or any great scientist, I often think about like Leonardo da Vinci. Like, I think I mentioned him in the book as well. When I went into the science of storytelling chapter, you know, you understand that they are two sides of the same coin, right? That's not they're not two different disciplines. That are completely separate. Art is science and vice versa. And so, yeah, that's our goal. And so I will have people on there that are fiction authors or filmmakers. And then I have people on there that are like neuroscientists, right? Or one of the people, one of my, you know, heroes, I would say, Dr. Paul Zach, I uh, had on a, a few seasons ago, who has a lab out in uh, California, that is the one who started understanding and, and testing and finding results that prove how important the neurochemicals are such as oxytocin in compelling people to take action when they when they listen to or view a narrative a story so i love nerding out about you know the science of it all 
Yeah. And I mean, that's why I've got a podcast called Data Stories, because I'm also interested yeah. in that intersection between art and mm. science, fact and fiction. Oh, it, totally. I, I just totally. love it. So before we dive into this intersection between data and technology and storytelling, I just want to pick up on when you talk about the storytelling industry that you're in right now, because you, is it correct that you primarily help entrepreneurs and, and business people tell stories? And is it, is that the client base or what is the storytelling well, industry? Yeah, it's, it, it can go a few different ways. And I think if you're doing it right, then you know who specifically, kind of as I mentioned earlier, talking about personal branding, who you specifically help and how. So I'll take my example, then I'll talk about some other ones. I'm a documentary filmmaker, learned a lot of lessons about how to basically even top tier documentaries are still very, very low budget. And I'm an independent documentary filmmaker. So that means very, very low budget. So what that means is I had to learn how to do a lot with a little, how to tell impactful stories that move my audience when you don't have a lot of money, resources, crew, or for me specifically, technical ability or technical know-how. I can shoot and I can edit, but I'm not great at either. And to be honest, I don't really love either. You know, I'm not a super technically minded person. A lot of my peers that are cinematographers, you know, as I often say, are like put on this earth to make beautiful images with a camera. I am not that person. I struggled a lot with that, I'll say, but I took a camera and went around and made my first feature documentary by myself. It was not really that great, but I had a passion to tell this story. And so basically, my philosophy was developed through that process of understanding that. If you double down and focus on the story and the message first and foremost, then those little technical details can, I always struggle with how to say this because you can say like take a back seat or aren't as important, but I don't want to convey that they aren't important, right? They are important and you want them to be as good as possible. You want it to be as professionally shot as possible, et cetera, et cetera. What happens is people get focused often get focused, beginners get focused so much on the technical thing. What's the right camera to use? You know, is the lighting perfect? Is, you know, what platform or app should we use? Yada, yada, yada. Without the messaging, and that's the expression we use in the States is that's putting the cart before the horse. If you focus on the production value and your message is not clear and moving, then what you have as a story does not work. If your story and message is strong and it communicates with emotion, and the production value is like a seven out of 10, nobody cares. Maybe some film nerds will call it out like, oh, well, you know, but it's not, it can still be effective. That's what we're looking for. What's going to take an effect? So when I, when I realized, oh, my philosophy is like, you know, story first and technicalities second, then I started realizing, I started looking at like who would benefit from that perspective. That's my unique perspective. Well, Isabel, how many content creators are out there now? How many brands are having to create content to keep up? Everybody, right? All of us. But what percentage of them are professional artists, writers, filmmakers, right? Basically, none of them. I mean, not none of them. I mean, if you're in that industry, if you're a video production company, sure, you can handle it. If you're a nonprofit trying to get jackets to the homeless in your city, you're having to learn all of this new. So that's who I started helping is like, who are people who are tasked with creating compelling content to move people to action that don't have a lot of time, resources, money, technical ability, basically who I was. 
And I helped him understand that if you don't have a nice camera or don't know how to use editing software or whatever, if you have a smartphone that has a video capability and you understand how to speak to your audience clearly through a story, you can be effective. So that's who I specifically help through stories. There is a storytelling industry, but there it's I probably wouldn't label it like that. But there is a storytelling space. So you have a lot of people who help brands tell their brand story. I specifically look for like small to medium businesses, solopreneurs, nonprofits, people that are under-resourced and over overwhelmed, basically. I often say I'm not helping Apple or Nike tell great stories, right? They got huge budgets and they use the best agencies in the world to do it. I work with people who are like how I felt five, 10 years ago. But you have, I know, I mean, people that I've had on my show specifically use storytelling to help someone tell their founder story or to help someone get a job. Like I had one guest, Carrie Twig, on my show who specifically uses storytelling as a framework to help people create better resumes and cover letters and perform better in their interviews. That's specifically her niche, right? So there's back to what I said originally, it's about creating a deeper connection with other humans. So like whatever way you want to use storytelling, you can. So that's my specific lane, but there's so many different ways. I mean, and sometimes it's storytelling for sales and it's people that just want, you know, realtors who just want to sell houses and so they want to understand how to connect with people better. So there's so many different ways you can use it. And that industry has so many different little fingers out into the world. Yeah, no, definitely. So Part of your story or your background, as you mentioned, is being able to double down on the core aspects of being able to communicate a message, capture an audience and have the right structure in place to kind of convey emotion. When we think about technology today, since that's your your message and where you see the success of stories in the kind of clients or customers or just people that you help. Do you think technology and the the kind of ever rising, all the different applications and software that we can use now, do you think that's taking us away from being able to tell good stories, the distractions? No, I do not. I think these, these are tools that we can use. And I think, well, one, this is a human, like an innate human desire, right? And so that won't go away. Maybe on the surface, we get distracted with things. But to be honest, I think it elevates the craving and the need for for stories. Because if we start to veer too far away from it, we will feel that gap, even subconsciously. And so right now, that's why I think we're experiencing this kind of pushback to authenticity, because we might did, that's not the right grammar, uh, we might have started to stray by chasing, you know, the the technological tools, but uh, I'm on, I spend a lot of time on TikTok, and you see it very clearly there, where what's working in the algorithm is is very authentic storytelling approaches, right? Not high production value that I would say like Instagram and other apps kind of pushed us to create previously to look big and to look fancy and to, you know, to look highly produced, etc. right? Now, people would rather see someone like brushing their teeth in the morning and just talking. That's much more compelling. There's this, so it's a human driver that pushes us to that. So, so even if we are getting pulled away with technology, like I think we will naturally be pulled back to it. 
And so I think if we utilize these tools, then that's exactly what they are, tools for us to to do that instead of a distraction or or worse, kind of obstacles to us creating that human connection. I mean, I think they should and could be tools for us to deepen those connections. That's interesting and a nice, refreshingly optimistic take that I've heard. Right. Um, Typical optimistic American, right? (laughs) No, I'm not stereotyping at all. I'm just saying it's it's nice to hear that. Um, Yeah, no, that's my hope at least. You know, we're in a very strange time right now when it comes to technology, even in the past few months. So time will tell. But I think there's some ways we can approach moving forward as well. How would you describe your thoughts on how data and technology are changing the way we're telling stories today? I mean, I think it's giving us more ability and opportunity to. We have more tools to do it. We can reach people easier, faster, at greater magnitudes. So, uh, and data informs us as to what people care about, what stories are resonating, right? I mean, I can see if, you know, this story is working. Right. If I'm if I like if, if my goal, whatever that goal is, is is achieving that goal. So, for example, if I am using it for my business and I told a story to sell my books and I got 12 views on it and one click to my link and no purchases, that story is not working. Something's not resonating with people. And then vice versa. If you do one that is successful, you can kind of deconstruct it and see what, what's working. So I just look at it as as new tools that we have. Um, and helping us to connect to our innate drive to tell stories. Yeah, I mean, we we won't get away from that, and so I mean, some individuals stray, but like we, like I said, I think the farther we get away from it, or further we get away from it, the calling, the yearning for that will start to get louder and louder. It's kind of like if you haven't been outside, like me, I told you, I've I've been sick all week so i've been literally was bedridden for for several days just in even in that small example it was just craving craving being outside and so one day i still wasn't really well well yet but i just lied down in the sun in my front yard just you know i still couldn't really walk around or do anything but i just laid down it and if you compound that if you say like oh i've been kind of stuck inside for a month uh, in the city haven't seen trees or water or anything like that innate dry which is also a human thing will start to get louder and you'll start to yearn that thing if you haven't been around i feel this one a lot because i work in solitude often if you haven't been around and i'm thinking of other primitive desires that we have so the need for belonging right the tribal you need for like social connection if i've been in this room for way too long and haven't like seen friends or been out with people like you will start to feel that it might manifest in different and ugly ways and I might have to do some self-work to understand what's really going on and, and, and establish that that's what it is. But those things will start to, to grow within us and get louder. So if I think if we're pulled away from that connection through stories, I do believe that the humanity deeply rooted within us will start to, to yearn for it and eventually yell for it, at least internally. That leads me to a current, very current topic, which is mm-hmm. this thing called ChatGBT. Have you heard of it? 
Yeah, certainly. <laughs> I'm sure you have. Worked it's, with it a bit. Have you? What have you been yeah. doing with it? So the company that I am a co-founder of that we are still haven't launched yet, we're, we're in development right now, but we should be launching close to the summer. We are using it in a variety of ways and looking at how we might use, and the competitors as well, not just OpenAI's version, but uh, the other uh, AI applications that are available right now, how we might use them for our product. For me personally, just in my personal brand, I use it a lot to be more efficient and kind of expedite the processes that I have daily and weekly tasks for. So for example, uh, my podcast, I use it a lot for my podcast. I'm able to upload you know, the transcript and it can spit out bullet points, potential titles that I can use. This is actually a good example to show what I mean by you know a tool for us. It spits out five synopsis, synopses of the show. And none of them are perfect, but I can take a lot of them and just massage them and move some things around and then add my tone or my words to it a little bit and, and then have the completed version, which is easier, way easier and way faster and way less time and energy expended for me than generating it on a blank slate, so to speak. But also, I mean, it gives me the transcript the chapter markers and with the time code, potential titles, blog posts, like all of that content is created in within 10 minutes. And it's none of it is perfect and just a copy paste, but it's done 80 plus percent of the work for me in 10 minutes. That would generally take me sometimes all day. And, and, and I don't even output all of the things that I get from it. So it's very much a support in terms of efficiency. And that this this is the one of the most rudimentary ways to use that application, right? That is just like taking text and making you know YouTube titles with it, things like that. Some of the things my technically capable friends are doing with it is just astounding. So yes, anyway, you just asked me if I had used it, and that's some of the the main ways I'm using it. Yeah, no, that's good to know. I might copy you there and using it to help me with my podcast. Yeah, it's been very helpful. So, do you think that? ChatGBT or other applications similar to it, do you think that they can tell stories? Well, this is a big, big conversation that I don't know that we have the full answer to right now. Like literally the day we're having this, so much has changed since all this came out. And AI is nothing new, but we're at this stage where it's becoming very commercially available and understood and accepted and utilized. So it's been these tools for like when I talked to my wife about it in the tech industry, she's not yet like, Oh my God, it's such a game changer when these things come out because like she's aware of it. And I have other friends that are even deeper in the tech industry that when we talk about it, it's like the, the AI is nothing new, but the commercial application of it, this is all, all pretty new. And we've seen that with other technologies over, over the years, but like, the world has been shaken up here in just the past few weeks, few months. So we don't fully know. And the things that it is creating is, is super compelling. Right now, I still stand by my stance that it is a tool that can help us if we work together. We are going to have to change the way we view things and approach things for sure, or we will be swallowed up. I can't forecast in the next couple of years, but I know we are. this is the beginning of massive change right now. I do feel confident saying that. So in my book, my claim is that 
they won't be able to. I don't think they'll be able to fully replace what humans can do because the human experience is what informs and influences the stories, right? And if these machines don't have that experience, they can generate replicas of them. So right now, AI can certainly create what is considered a story. Beginning, a middle, and ends with some transformation, you know, like the definition of a story. Will it be a story that like, moves people emotionally or compels them to take action, that's the real question. So can it write, the cat went to the mall and then the cat, you know, things like that. Like, sure, it can write things more complex than that. I'm not trying to just be like silly when I say that, but it's still being, this is when we start to get, and I'm going to get a little bit out of my space when I start talking about this, but this is when we start to veer into the question of AGI versus AI, because Right now, it can only do what we've trained it to do, right? So it's not really generating things, or maybe some of it can, and we just don't know that yet, or, or it's happening tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know. So I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it, it can tell stories. The question is, will it be able to connect us, compel us to take action, and that sort of thing? I think that when it comes to this conversation about like AI's role in humanity. I mean, a lot of people are really scared about this. And that's, and and also you have, I saw, you know, yesterday was Elon Musk and a few other people were like, we need to like have the moratorium and just like take a pause and kind of assess this. It's all moving very, very fast. I don't know that they'll be successful in, in establishing that moratorium, to be quite honest. I read a book years ago, it was probably 2017 or 18 called Creativity is the New Smart. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it is. Humility is the new smart, but it's about creativity. What it's really about is collaboration between humans, right? And it was discussing this about AI because obviously we've known this is coming. It just kind of ramped up really quickly here lately. And the whole premise of it being humility is the new smart, basically meaning like, look, we already can't compete with machines and AI when it comes to quantitative, right? Like, Like processing information to generating information, which is what you and I are kind of talking about now. Like if it passes us there, that's where it really gets gets scary. So there's no longer, will no longer be this idea of like being of smart, right? Like the, the existing idea, because we'll never be able to be smarter than uh, AI. So the new smart in this uh, hypothesis is the ability to be humble, but also to be creative and collaborative as humans. We will never be able to compete one-to-one. But the question is, now we're going back to this is such a weird like flip side of the coin or like how the, you know, of like how things are full circle, right? This back to Yuval Harari sapiens with this is us being able to collaborate is what separated us from animals that were clearly much stronger than us that were higher on the food chain because we could collaborate, we could create, we could work together, but we could also create things, weapons, teach others how to create things and weapons, et cetera. So the hypothesis is they don't make the connection between like the primitive versions of our of of humans but will robots be able to work together collaborative effort believing similar stories you know like humans can do we don't know but i mean the the hypothesis of the book is the more we are able to be humble and stop trying to be competitive with one another cuz those days are gone because what's the point in me and you competing for this thing when there's AI that will beat us both, beat the brakes off of both of us, right? So it's like, it's just almost ridiculous, right? And so instead, if you and I can figure out how to work together and we need to be humble to do that, 
then we stand a chance of at like coexisting and create, you know, finding, you know, our space. And I like that thought. I think that might be accurate, uh, at least as of, as of now. Otherwise we really get into a scary uh, thought, but we're going to have to change. And I think that's a good approach because this current, like in it for ourselves, go get our job and do our skill. And that is going to leave, I think that, you know, and so I think our ability to communicate, through stories, connect and collaborate together is still going to be very, very huge as we move forward. Mm, I like that. It's interesting. So the rise of um, AI or AGI, as you mentioned, is kind of scary to a lot of people, but it actually perhaps it's an opportunity for us to reconnect with the, the human race and collaborate more because that's how we'll survive. I, I mean, think about it. We've been working towards this, like learning new tech tools and capabilities and getting smarter and getting better and better and better at these things. And then we created something that just leaped ahead of what we've been like slowly, gradually building. So it's just wild, right? Just that as a concept, if you could step outside yourself and like look at that objectively, like in, from an alien perspective. So it's like almost all that work we've done is for, for nothing, but we don't have to look at it that way. Learned a lot of lessons, had a lot of laughs. But the one thing that we can know is like continuing that path is not going to be the right thing. So we're going to have to yeah. pivot. We're going to have to have to change. And, and I will say this. will take some like. That oh, it's, it's, it's kind of I mean, there's going to be a lot music, of people really. that are going to dig their heels in and not want to. And it's, they're going to suffer. Collaborate as the human race right now. And is technology yeah, actually I mean, dividing us more? In a lot of ways it is. I will say this as a general principle. Change is coming change always comes and it only works out for those who are open to be able to adapt to that change it only does ever in the history of the world in the history of the universe so we ain't stopping the change and i'm not saying we should out go, go out there and marry robots but there is going to be a natural no, from a lot of people <laughs> and metaphorically, Mary Robots, there's going to be a lot of natural resistance to that change. And I think those people will suffer. And I'm a humanist. I mean, I love, I love humans, right? And I love the things that make us human. And it makes me sad to think about it. But I also am very conscious and very aware of history and that this things are changing, things are evolving, and it's happening very, very fast. And if you aren't collaborative, creative, these sorts of things, then you're going to be in that other group of people. And that's about right. all I can say about it because we just don't know. And I certainly am not that smart when it comes to this stuff. This is not my wheelhouse, right? But I, I do understand general human psychology and history and philosophy. And yeah, I don't know. A brave new world is upon us. Wow. Well, with that very important message, we'll bring this to a close. Rain, that was really really interesting and yeah that topic of the only constant is change and the fact that we will need to be those who will roll with the change and go with the change are the ones that are going to be doing better and being happier perhaps so it's it's actually something I think very important to share so thank you where yeah, can people find you and learn more about you and what you do well, I always give credit to my mother. Uh, shout out to my mom for my name, Rain Bennett. <laughs> there are not a lot of us in the world, so I'm very uh, Googleable. 
rainbennett.com is my website. You can find a lot of stuff there, but that's pretty much my handle at any social media accounts. And yeah, I will be the first of many search results that come up if you just type that in. But yeah, that's where I'm found and I'm pretty ever present in the online space. So I'm I'm easy to easy to find. Yeah, I'll link. Come visit me, talk to me, send me a message. I'm always happy to talk. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rain. Have a great day and I'll see you later. Thanks, you too. Thank you for listening to this episode of Data Stories with Isabel Becker. If you enjoyed it, please follow the podcast, rate it, give it a review and share it with your friends, colleagues, students, teachers, anyone who's curious about playing with data and stories. 